Hey, podcast world, welcome to another wonderful, exciting, thrilling, enthralling, deep, and informative episode of FNO InsureTech with your hosts, Rob Beller. And Lee Boyd. And Lee Boyd. And today we're in, we're broadcasting from Waco, Texas, or we're recording in Waco, Texas. We're both here together at the same table, yeah. which is always a pleasure. Staring eye to eye, right? Uh-huh. Even though you just insulted me. I don't remember which one of them. Yeah, you accused me of not being a listener. Oh, we have to listen with our ears. Yeah. Uh-huh. Instead of with our... Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> today we have on Sheffy Benhuda from Coverager. Who is somebody who tells it like it is? Straight shooter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What is Coverager? So Coverager, as I know it, is a newsletter uh, that I subscribe to that really gives information about the world of insure tech. Uh, and as you'll find out, it's a straight shooting newsletter. It tells you the good, bad, the ugly, even the neutral, but about what is going on in our industry, in the insurance world, and how insure tech is changing and evolving. Right. They're not afraid to tell you that something works, and they're not afraid to tell you that maybe it hasn't worked, as well as, more more importantly, just to have vast coverage of lots of different points in the current InsureTech value chain. Let's move right into the episode, which is terrific, with our special guest, Sheffi Benhuda from Coverager. Hey, everybody. We're here with our guest today. Sheffy Ben-Huda from Coverager. How are you doing, Sheffy? I'm doing well. Hello. 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 We, we're, we're very excited about this particular episode because uh, we haven't had somebody on from the media. Did we get that right? Or is that what we would say about you? You're from the media? I would definitely use that term. Uh-huh. So what? Uh, and research. Let's add the research component. Media and research. And does that kind of come out of your background as an analyst? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely did not learn this. I uh, went to school. I, I learned applied mathematics, and then I got my MBA at NYU. And business analyst, you're oftentimes in front of Excel spreadsheet and writing requirements. But it was always a habit of mine to stay on top of, of news and information and share that with with the rest of the team. Now, keep in mind, I'm Israeli. So in order for me to make any kind of intelligent conversation, I can't talk to you about sports. You know that better than I do. And the weather is the weather. So I was, you know, I would talk about strategy and news and that kind of became a part of who I was when I moved from Israel to the US. And I think that led me into blogging and, and researching and into that media component. Okay. But you like to write? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have to write in order to communicate. I like and make and make a living. Yeah. <laughs> I like to educate. I, I think part of me wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. Uh-huh. And I like being the source of information. I I like having a community. I like having a voice. I remember mm-hmm. that when I was working in front of, you know, with Excel, I missed the human element. And with uh-huh. order, there's plenty of that. There's plenty of that kind of back and forth and a dialogue, not always online. Sometimes it will be privately via email. That's just the nature of the industry. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the drive was um, education more than anything else. 
And then Avi, when Avi came along, Avi is my brother and, and co-founder of Coverger. And there's another bro- brother, by the way. So I, I, always- I noticed that. I noticed that he had a byline on something the other day. Isaac. Yes. Family business. A hundred percent. That's cool. So let's just delve into your background just a little bit, because I think it's, it's really interesting. You're from Israel originally, correct? Correct. Yeah. And Israel is a really happening place on, on the technology scene. Did that figure in somehow into where you, how you got to where you are today? For sure. So I, I started, you know, so I'll, I will, well, how far do we want to go? Let's start when I was 19, right? 19, you finish, <laughs> you finish high school in Israel. You basically, you know, you have a route. You either join the army or um, you do national service. And I did national service and I was working uh, at a school. Again, I, I love teaching. And after a year, I was offered a position at an insurance agency. And this was right around the time when I started, when I, I you know, applied to learn applied mathematics at university. And it made perfect sense, right? It was it was a job that paid well and that was flexible with, with my hours and I got to do my degree. But then kind of six years into being in an insurance agency, literally selling insurance. And in Israel, the way you sell insurance is very simple. It's, hi, how are you? What's the price? I mean, <laughs> we don't make it very complicated. We get to the deal and if I can make, if I can beat the deal, that's fine. Definitely a commodity business and that's kind of, you know, so quite unlike how it is here. Yes, uh, not so much about comparative raters and and all that technology. I don't think it has changed dramatically from the time I left. And 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 honestly, I will argue that in the U.S. it's getting there as well. But we'll talk about that later. Sure. I, I basically, after I finished my degree, I said, "Well, I did not choose this, and so I'm going to step out of the insurance industry." And I was just doing random jobs here and there. And there was a position for a business analyst for a stealthy startup. And that stealthy startup, when I applied, I realized that they were selling software to insurance agents in the US. But I love the team and I really wanted the position. And I think back then it was one of the best positions I've ever had. And it was ridiculous because we were uh, working towards a product launch and I remember how we would spend, you know, we, we would stay till sometimes 8 p.m. And, and, and 10 p.m. And by, by the way, in Israel, transportation is not the greatest. So I remember my mom would wait for me to tell her the exact hour to pick me up. Mm-hmm. The commute was challenging and, you know, they would order sushi and pizza. And it was a wonderful experience. And that, um, you know, that's basically the company that brought me to the U.S. It's, you know it by, by the name of Bolt Solutions. And they got me to where I am here, basically, or just to start, because they were selling comparative raters. And through them, I got to learn about the agency channel and uh, working with carriers like Hanover and, and CNA and Travelers and Hartford. And that led me to my career at CNA. So I mean, it's, it's been a journey. But uh, I, yeah, so I'm pulled out of insurance to just be pulled right back in. Uh, but I will tell you this, I, I don't consider myself like working solely in insurance because we do strategy and marketing. And, you know, I, th- I think that's kind of the beauty of the industry. If there is one, is that you can, uh, there's so many roles that you can pick on. I agree uh, from my own experience uh, working in insurance where I've been for over 20 years that um, there's a variety of things that you can do and uh, and and a lot of welcoming to that. I mean, there's some areas that are a little harder to get into than others, but, uh, um, but, but we enjoy that. So 
let's talk let's talk about coverager you you've described coverager as a new modern media company to the new insurance professional and i, I we we want to unpack that but why don't you go ahead and tell us about coverager and 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 maybe about that that description sure so the modern insurance professional you know when i created coverager at first it, you know i started to blog it was what would be something that I would enjoy reading, right? And I was uh, kind of in my late 20s, a professional. So that was the mindset. The mindset was also nobody wants to read about insurance for the love of it. Like you just, it's something that you want to do if you want to be good at your job. So you have to make it short and simple and, and succinct. And, and that's where the, the newsletter format came, came in. And modern insurance, you know, I don't know, probably Avi would, uh, you know, disagree with the terminology because he probably thinks I use way too many words than I should, but that's why he's the the creative and he came up with coverager. But I think it was just an idea to differentiate between, you know, the insurance journal of the world or property casualty or because there aren't when we created coverager, you know, it was insurance entertainment, we had no rules. I mean there was one rule. We have to make it interesting. We have to offer value. Like that was it. Sure. We didn't have a business model. Um, you know, I thought I would be attracting like tons of females because I was a female and, you know, that clearly didn't happen. So it, it was just a matter of doing something and improving. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, hey, back in 2016, I knew exactly where coverage was going. I think I only figured it out or we figured it out this this year. Hmm. Um, it was just kind of a trial and error mm-hmm. at first. I thought I was writing to insurance agents and I, and at first it was all about social media and digital. And then insurance came along and we were just in the perfect, perfect uh, time, perfect place mm-hmm. where we started to cover insurance like ahead of everybody else. And then all of a sudden we have this, like we have research and we have data that people don't really have, like the archives, what happened. Um, and, you know, it started to ring a bell every time you, 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 co- you co- cover a story. And then well, this is similar to, what happened here? And so, you know, we kind of created this um, strategic and critical tone and everything together. But again, rule, only one rule, just be interesting. And we have to do this on a daily basis. So God help us, but we, <laughs> we do it. Five days a week? Five days a week, yes. That's tough. Tell me about it. You just have to, it doesn't matter what you do once in a while. It matters what you do every day. And, and to us, that's, that's how we market. Mm-hmm. Um, we started with the news with the news component, right? The daily newsletter, and that's free. Mm-hmm. And but that's our marketing, and this is why you're not going to find me on so many podcasts, and you're not going to find me doing so many interviews because, you know, about eight or nine times of the day, it's it's for that newsletter, which to us is like the flagship product. Sure. And, you know, it's kind of it's the advertising, but then through that we launched into research, and you know, there's now a network component. So it's just been. Tremendous. And it keeps us on our toes because, yeah, things are happening. It's the heart. I mean, and without the heart of it, the the rest of it kind of falls apart, right? I mean, it's exactly that. So you publish five days a week. And I'm a, I, I am not a subscriber, though I get it. You know, I get the, I get the free one, but it goes past that, right? Tell us about what, what the subscription is, what you get for free and what you get if you pay. And what's the difference? So the daily email, obviously free, will always be free. And that's where we cover uh, startups and the whole landscape. And then there is a knowledge component, which is basically a member's subscription for research. 
And every month we'll put together uh, two research papers, one that kind of recap what is happening in terms of web traffic growth, partnerships, technology use cases for typically for direct-to-consumer startups. And then there is just kind of ad hoc research that we, you know, we think that the topic is worth delving into, whether it's, uh, you know, small business insurance, everything is digital, right? So we're not, we're not uh, covering legacy so much, but maybe life insurance or what, you know, the, the modern Primerica, what that could look like. So we'll, we'll, kind of combine the the creative tone that you get in small doses and the daily email into something that um, is typically a lot longer and w- with more meat in it. And I'll say that now we have uh, five insurance companies that have subscribed. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, we launched it uh, four months ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we have the network component, which is basically, I mean, today we're hosting a meetup at our office. So Typically, every third Thursday of the month, you can come to our office for pizza and beer and, and mingle. And Are those well attended? Um, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you guys are certainly in the heart of financial hub. It's an insurance hub. And, and now it's an insure tech hub, yes? I mean, there's a lot of insure tech going on in New York City. For sure. Yes. Yeah, which is which it's it's cool to be in the right place. It seems like you guys cover direct to consumer a lot. Is that of particular interest to you? Yes. So I, I do think the game is in distribution. Uh-huh. Um, I also think it's a lot about perception. So what does the end user see? And I think there is a you know if if I take for example lemonade, right? I would I would see how like half of the market hates them and half of the market loves them. And it's funny because. We know the people that critique lemonade, it's because of their communication, but their communication is exactly what some of the customers think. They think that insurance companies don't pay claims, right? And so they lead with that and it does something. So I, I you know, the, the, mar- the, you know, the market, the marketer in me and the strategist in me, and obviously obvious background in creative and advertising, I think this is where, how InsurTech started to begin with because when insurtech came into the industry I, I you know it's not that insurance never used technology on the contrary there's plenty of technology sure, in insurance sure. not evenly distributed correct correct sure absolutely so, but insurtech came in with this with this proposition we understand the the modern consumer we understand the millennial better we understand the younger younger shopper that may not have access to an independent agent and Oftentimes, and I say this again, and I can't say this enough, it will boil down to just better communi- communication strategy, better marketing, uh, better creative than anything else. So the focus is there. And also, to be honest, if somebody says that they're, they're you know, AI and data science, I mean, can I prove it? It's good luck. <laughs> you know, I was I was reading the uh, coverage your newsletter from yesterday, and uh, it and. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it, what appears though, you don't always paint everything in the most rosy way. Uh, you're trying to deliver the most information that's out there. For example, you had a quote uh, in there, and I won't mention the uh, the life insurance company, but it was uh, a quote from a person's comment on LinkedIn. Uh, is that something you tried to do? Is, is actually put out there uh, what the actual industry sees all the time, all the time. Yeah, I mean that that, that is that is pretty neat. I mean that's. Uh, Refreshing. Refreshing. I, I like to be able to see that. Well, it's a PR-driven industry. If I am just to recycle these PRs, then what value will coverage or bring? And so that the, the, the value that coverage brings is that 360 degrees. I'll be the first to say, 
okay, why do you need to use a block, you know, blockchain technology and, you know, tit for tat kind of, mm-hmm. kind of, or what are the employees saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not what the consumers are saying. And thank God for social media. I don't think there will be coverage or if there wasn't social media, because nowadays it's easy to hear. I mean, you want consumer insights. I'll give you consumer insights. You just have to, to, you know, to kind of go after it and not just accept things for granted. Again, back to these are, this is what the companies are saying about themselves. Now let's go see what the other side is saying. And it's, it's still shocking to me. I mean, we're talking about InsureTech and InsureTech uh, is a great, I, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. It's better than, I guess it's better than just insurance and it certainly makes for better careers. Uh, but how come for the, for the majority of the InsureTech, like Facebook reviews is turned off? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so what is really being like what what is changing and if, if there is changes you know does it matter right so that's covered don't you find that you know the the insurance industry and i'm talking thirty thousand feet view of it very closed down very secretive very cards close to your chest not wanting to be transparent not wanting to you know, share, worried about competition. And so to be transparent in that world is, I don't know, brand new, uncomfortable, I'm sure for a lot of people out of the ordinary. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yes. I mean, I mean, I don't know what happens in other industries uh, because I've never worked in a different industry, but I know with, uh, with coverage, you know, I was recently working on a smart home paper and I reached out to all the folks. Um, one of them was actually a part of your show. And when you go down to certain questions, or even if you just want to have a conversation, they're not willing to have a conversation that's that's a level deeper than what they put out in a press release. Correct. And it's just about smart home, right? There is definitely this element where we would reach out to folks and they may agree with us, but then the second sentence is, but he's our friend. Mm-hmm. And it's by the way, because that's just the nature of the industry. But yes, so there is that. Um, but we don't stop at it. I mean, we, we, we push. And if we need to, to speak with, I will tell you, um, you know, not to reveal all our secrets, but we definitely go and speak with ex-employees or just, you know, try to reach out to people. Does this make sense? If it's an important story, we, we'll do that. Sure, to get a full picture. Yeah. But it's absolutely out of the ordinary for our industry. I mean, even the trade publications that are out there, there's just a general rule that it's never critical or to use your term 360. It's typically a fairly rosy view of what's going on. So we have several different kinds of guests on our show. And when you reach out to an insure tech, typically what we find is they, you know, you reach out and they say, yes, we'd be, we'd love to be on your show. When you reach out to a carrier to talk to them or a carrier employee or executive, it could take six, eight months to go through the approval channels to get them to be on our show. And that must affect you and your work too, that they don't want to be forthcoming or fully transparent, right? Do you, I mean, you must run into that. They're not allowed. They're not allowed, right? It's just shut down. Yeah, there's an individual that works in in the communication department and it, it, you know, it's typically reaches that that person and oftentimes it does not get through or the person that I speak with, and this is where kind of off the record becomes a conversation and you just need a 
you know, plenty off the record in order to create a story. And that, and that would happen as well. But they're just not going to bother. They're mm-hmm. not going to go and just ask for the right approval. And I think, to my credit, when I was working at CNA, it was, I mean, am I going to go and, and get the approval necessary for me to put a blog out there? Or am I just going to do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I just did it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the Israeli side of me. But I will, I will, I just did it. And it's the most wonderful thing that I've done for myself. So I think to everybody out there, you still, still need to develop your voice. And you can't be behind this corporate culture. Because the one thing that InsureTech is doing a lot better than um, incumbents, and even though sometimes it's the same exact story, just different packaging, is that you know the InsureTech founders, and you know what they stand for. And oftentimes that doesn't happen with um, legacy insurers. So. so do you find it easier to cover InsureTechs in the InsureTech world than, than the incumbents? Yes. Sure. Oh my goodness. Yes. yes. Us too. Even though there's the uh, content from incumbents is so potentially rich, right? And so important because I mean, at the end of the day, or maybe not, and I'm interested in your take on this, who's going to keep the insure tech movement going? It's going to be the incumbents. They have the money. Hmm. Um, yes. Okay. I can see that. The insurers, I guess, specifically. Right. What do you think about that? Well, in a way, it's a fact, right? Because if you look at startups that are being backed by you know, insurers or reinsurers, then yes. Uh, I also think that there is going to be this element that we haven't quite seen yet 100%, but where FinTech is going to come in or PropTech or more platforms coming in into insurance, maybe connected cars, and it'll be interesting to see. But these typically will go to the to the incumbent rather to the newbie industry. Um, so it will be interesting to see where Intratech, Intratech is going. I know we had some, uh, I don't know if to call it success, but there's a lot of movement happening in the last few months, whether it's, you know, M&A and yeah, mostly. I, I can't call them exits yet, right? I mm-hmm. think you have to make an entry in order for you to, to make an exit mm-hmm. and hard to, to give you a proper example of that, but we'll see. Well, well tell me this, what is, what is hot out there right now? What do your subscribers want to read about the most? Is it a certain industry or is it a certain technology, uh, AI, or is it property insurance? What 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 is popular right now? There's definitely, so, you know, obviously a lot of, again, tons of focus on distribution, tons of focus on alternative distribution, which is also who can I partner with to sell my product, not necessarily from the InsurTech space. I think InsurTech in, in, in a sense, reached kind of this Me Too movement that every new introtech coming in is kind of similar play on someone else that we've seen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So exactly. And so if you cover a, a fintech player with, uh, you know, with an edge, you'll see life insurers going after them, uh, even regardless of stage. I mean, we, we just got a thank you from, from someone we covered last week, and it was just a pure fintech player. Barely a landing page, but I guess the idea resonated with a few. So I think there is that. There is, you know, obviously your, you know, trust and will and, and legal tech, and this is all because people are trying to solve for for their distribution problem, which is a nightmare in insurance. And insurtech hasn't done a better job at solving it than than incumbent. It's just a matter of who has a better advertising budget. So, so would that be mostly with? Um... Insur- you know, new insurance companies trying to sell their product, or is that more with actual devices like IoT? More with selling the product. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we had a, a really nice podcast that we uh, recently did with uh, Surround, 
and they were talking about they have a product and they were working on the on the distribution on how they were going to get it out. Uh, so yeah, I think that's very important for these new startups. How do they get their product in the hands of of the customers? Do they partner with somebody? They push it themselves. I think that's a, a great thing. Well, tell me this: what do you what do you enjoy writing about the most? What 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 industry? Let, let's go with that. Do you like property, health? You know, with the insure tech movement, what 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 is your favorite to write about? Mm, so my favorite would be no favorites as long as it's exclusive. Okay. <laughs> okay. So when we started to to write, you know, to to create coverage, and you know, we would get the press releases, and obviously, you you want to pretty up the press release and put it out there. It's typically somebody else's message. And so what we started to do was also go through, you know websites of insurtech to see what has changed because not everything that has changed for good or bad is necessarily being communicated. So if we can find a story that nobody else has picked up on, then that to me is really exciting, right? So if Geico is um, sending a referral to Lemonade and we're the first to write about it, that's exciting. If we are the first to write that, you know, an insurtech is long, no longer active, that's exciting. Um, if if I'm to suggest a partner and, and to later hear that he, he's actually piloting with AIG, that's exciting. Because if, if I can bring in startups that are not necessarily pure insurance, but can offer insurance, they just don't think about it. And then I, I think, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I hope that kind of answered your question. Well, absolutely. You're a journalist, so you want an exclusive. I do. I want an exclusive. Do you consider yourselves a journalist? I've been called that uh, a few times this year. And you know what? As a marketer, perception is king. So whatever you call me, uh, I, I get uh -huh, it. So uh -huh. As I long as the I, checks clear the bank. All right. I don't perceptions. And, and I think that's kind of what I also tell people or insurers, insurance companies. Like, don't try to change the perception of the product. It is what it is. And insurance is a good product, by the way. I believe that. And I, I don't believe in on-demand, for instance, because I don't think you need that on and off. What they want is a fair price product. Get that and move on. Move on to a different industry. Move on to a different customer. Move on to a different product. I don't know. Solve a problem. But don't create problems that aren't there. Well, let's talk about Surround for a second because we had this. We had the, a, a podcast with Kate Terry from Surround. Do you know Kate? You must. I know Surround. Okay. They're, they're very interesting. They're basically insurance for millennials who are emerging from their parents' financial umbrella, right? Well, what's your thought on Surround? So they're very early stage, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea is um, millennials in urban. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so you know it falls in line with almost every other insurance. Like it's all about yes. segmenting, right. right? You've got uh, insurance for parents, insurance for mothers, insurance for dads, and you know insurance for people that drive well. It's that whole you take a slice of the market that you think there isn't a leader in, and there's not a lot of leaders in insurance. There's a lot of players, but not a lot of leaders. And you try to win them over. I don't know who they're writing the paper with, and I don't know anything about their distribution strategy. Um, but you know, the the trick with uh, millennials is I'm a millennial. I was born, but I was born in 1981. My sister is a millennial. My brother is a millennial. So we're all, you know, just different elements to millennials. But as long as they know how to get a customer, good luck. Right, and they're they're using brokers as their distribution channel. Yeah. In, which which was independent agents yeah. independent agents which which is interesting because you would think naturally without thinking about it you think of course it's digital millennials and digital they don't need the agent but what they've determined is that they do need the agent. 
So there's two things I want to, you know, I think there's two, there's a train of thought that is worth kind of delving into. There is digital, which everybody's going to be a digital company going forward if they, they aren't. And then there is direct. So not every digital company is direct. Obviously, every direct company is typically digital unless it's lead gen, but two different strengths that are required to do this. Like one is obviously you can be digital, but being direct means that you're on Google, Google ads or, or Facebook or Instagram. And that requires uh, a, you know, an advertising budget that not everybody has. So then you've got digital companies that are basically saying, oh, we want to keep independent agents in the mix. And my question is, is, is that like, is that because they have a heart of gold or because they can't sell their product themselves? Mm. Good question. Good question. It depends on the team, right? Or the, <laughs> it depends on what the, their end game is. Okay. So if Next Insurance starts as a direct to consumer small business player, of course, small business in the, the micro sense of the word, a freelancer, the side hustler, and then says, hey, uh, I also have a proposition for agents, sell my product. But is Next ever going to be not in the direct business? Now I know that these world that you can live together. I mean, you can you can be this and that, and as long as you you are aware who of, who your supplier is, and who can become your competitor, go for it. If the deal makes sense right now, do it. Uh, but you know, I, I think independent agents. Obviously, there's a room for independent agents in the world, and the majority uh, flows through independent agents right now. When we're looking uh, in small business insurance versus personal. Right. But it's just a matter of asking the question for this type of customer and for this type of product, who is best positioned to handle the business? Is it digital or is it a human? And sometimes it's both. And, and this is where insurance gets complicated. And that's why we're not really seeing the disruption that InsurTech thought that they would bring. Um, mm -hmm. It's not like you're seeing millions uh, go to, go with one versus the other. So it's kind of the same challenges that we had Um one of the things that you hear about when you talk about the hippos and the lemonades and 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 metro miles so forth is is you hear about customer engagement, which is something that carriers have struggled with forever and still struggle with today because customers just don't want to engage with their insurance companies. What do you think about that as a strategy? I mean, you guys must must be covering that, must be hearing a lot about that. What's your take on that? There is no such thing as customer engagement. In insurance there will never be customer engagement in insurance okay <laughs> all right i'm glad i asked <laughs> we need it we yeah we got to hear more about that let me let me give you a, let's let's uh let's move out of insurance and i think sometimes you really need to like step outside of insurance in order to see the world from how the consumers see it because they don't agreed insurance, right agreed sure we're with yeah. you go on you would agree that there is a fine line between love and hate yes a mighty fine line <laughs> But the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Indifference. Agreed. And this is where the customer is at. They insured, When insurance came in, and this is a, a misconception, it was people hate insurance. People may hate healthcare, okay? But I don't think people hate Geico or if it was bad claim experience, yes. But people don't go around thinking, I hate insurance. And so it's hard to get them to love insurance or just to be passionate about something. And even to us, I will tell you this, we talk about insurance because it's our careers, it's our it's our strategy, it's, it's 
how we get our paychecks. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not what you talk sure. about. Well, we talk about it in holiday parties because Coverture is a family business. But with that, with that exception, I think you you know you understand what I'm saying. This is a it, it's a great product. It's a product that's not meant to be used. Let's not try to change that. And and when when you try to change that, you come up with silly stuff like selfie quote or. Mm-hmm you know, vouching for one another. I don't want to bring my friends in when I have a claim. Yeah. Right. First of all, now people, what kind of friends do people have? They message all the time. They barely have a conversation when you walk in the elevator. That's a different story. That's a different struggle. But if you, I mean, I don't, again, I wouldn't solve for customer engagement. I, I wouldn't, I would solve for pricing, offer a better price. But you see a lot of that. You see, you, you see these, the, the, the marketing functions of these companies, and the strategy that we're going to engage with our customer. We're going to bring them into a relationship with us. And, and, and your proposition is it's the wrong idea for this industry. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. I don't, I don't disagree. No, I, I don't disagree either. For a long time, I forced myself to try to engage with my insurance company. And I would get turned off because my insurance company didn't necessarily engage with me. And I thought, why are they not trying to reach out to me. And then they reached out to me and I thought, oh, maybe I should shop around for insurance. I now remember it. And that's what we were talking about, I think, on yeah. the podcast the other day, right. about how the more engagement, it really just reminds you that, oh, I ought to shop around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I should check my, my, my rates. Yeah. Right. Because it's not like a bank, right? You're, you're uh, engaging with the bank. You're, you're with a bank. You're not paying the bank money uh, every month. But uh, you know, with insurance, you could shop around. So too much engagement could be a bad thing. Well, and I think you have, so engagement is a big word. And typically the association is something positive. There, I'm not saying completely don't know who your customer is, never send an email, not have a, you know, a, a contact me that's clear. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you have to know the difference between, you know, trying to overdo it by by trying to create forced communication if you want to send weather alerts because there's a storm okay right just know that other apps are going to do it right so do you have a shot i mean typically an insurance company are going to be the last one that people want to hear from but you know during claims yeah send a text message <laughs> of course i think there's a balance but but in the context of how insurance have used customer engagement uh to appear different it's not working so my son has Metro Mile car insurance and they, they, because of the telematics, they can see where his car is, where it's parked. And they send him a text that says, Hey, Alex, your car is parked right now where there's street sweeping tomorrow and you'll get a ticket if you don't move your car. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what they said to him. Now, that was really cool and effective, don't you think? I love it. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's a great use of data and technology together. Um, uh, so I, I, do think that, I, I do think that there are some plays here, but I think it probably gets back to what you suggested, and that is probably what interests people the most is price. Yes. Because they, because they don't really understand the nature of a policy and what, what what's the difference? Uh, I'll tell you a kind of a, a pet peeve for mine from CNA. At CNA, every time we develop something, they would say, well, let's let's do the very basic because the customer doesn't get it. 
or sometimes they would, you know, the insurance agent, not every insurance agent understands um, the entire scope of coverage. And I don't understand the entire scope of coverage every time. But I think with social media and with the fact that you can go on to Reddit or to Twitter and you can ask a question and get answer, I'm not saying it's the best answer, but the people are learning what to ask. So it's kind of this do-it-yourself movement that we have to be familiar with. Is Metro Mile product um, different in a meaningful way from what Geico Progressive or Root is offering? And that's what people have to face. It's a, this is kind of the reality. There is an element for, you know, if it's a commodity product, you do sell on price. And if you don't sell on price, there's a really good salesperson behind it that sells it. Outside of insurance, if, you know, first time I bought a Givenchy bag, it was an awesome salesperson. And that's why I bought two. Not even, <laughs> she just stopped me. She told me stories and I opened up my, uh, my wallet. And, and I remember that because Avi talks a lot about this. Their agents are kind of the heart of the sales process. And your son, if MetroMile ups the pricing, he has a very convenient way to go and shop, whether he goes to Jerry or Gabby or uh, ClearCover. God knows. I mean, look how many new players are basically selling the same kind of product. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I think it, I think it helps with the stickiness and, 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 keeping them from shopping the, the text message that says, move your car. But you're absolutely right. If the, what, what brought my son there in the, in the, in the beginning was price. Price. That he could pay for how much he uses his car, which isn't a lot. And Metro mile accommodated that and, and solved uh, and solved that problem for him. So, um, I I just want to ask you one question as a marketer uh, and, and Geico, I mean, I don't know. You guys, I know you guys cover Geico some. I've seen their name in your email. What, what do you think about Geico's marketing in all the, everything that we're talking about here? Customer engagement, perception, the way in, the way incumbent carriers are. Their marketing is so different. You you must love that the way they approach it. I love how much money they put. Uh, I think. Do I love the fifteen minutes could save you more? I remember it because I hear it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, does my sister hear it so much because she's on YouTube and Netflix or, and she does that uh, subscription without an ads. Uh, oh my gosh, you have to hear the story. So my sister subscribes to Hulu and I, I, I tell her uh, if there are insurance companies that aren't Hulu, I want to know because I will use it in the newsletter. And she said, why do you think I wouldn't, I, I'm paying not to have ads. <laughs> right. Telling her, oh, just, you know, how you use a free version so I know what's going on. Geico has been brilliant for so long. Is Geico going to continue to be as brilliant and as effective? I mean, we're kind of seeing signs of struggle. So I think I I love the idea of Geico. I think uh, Geico has done nothing wrong with the marketing. I, I don't think their marketing is stupid by any means. I think I think it's creative, but I also also think there's an element of repetition that is helping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens to the folks that are, you know, just growing up on YouTube or without cable um, or are, you know, root insurance is crazy with the referral codes, right? I, you know, you, you search root insurance in Twitter and there's tons of people just basically saying, hey, use this link, get $25, sometimes get 50. I don't know. depends on the, on the season, right? So that they're, they've got competition as well, right? And speaking of root, they offer up to 52%. So what's going to stick 15% or 52%? Right. Uh, so, so do you think social is the future of marketing 
in insurance? Uh, I think I think people are going to go offline again in a in a weird way because online online is is getting so competitive and crowded and expensive. And so you've got, you know, SEO and SEM, but if you can find a way, kind of like back to surround, if you can find a way to to balance direct and digital, you may as well do that because people create stickiness, stickiness. like you have a story, you, you sell something, you're loyal to a person, mm-hmm. you're loyal to a person, you're not loyal to a machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's all it is. Uh, well, unless it's Apple, you're loyal to Apple. <laughs> I'm beginning to think that when we die, we just all go back into some big recycling bin somewhere that Apple owns and, <laughs> and, and we come back out as a device. What do you think about that? It'd be pretty. Huh? It would be very pretty. <laughs> it would be designed in California. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, listen, we've eaten through all of our time today and we know that you're a busy person. So we're just going to, we'll call it a day here. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's so refreshing to have your straightforward and forthcoming uh, way on a, a podcast that covers, you know, insure tech and insurance. We, we don't get that all the time. And Oh, thank you for sure. having me. Will you come back and visit with us again sometime? First, you have to come to the city. I, you better you, be careful what you wish for. Wishes do come true. Where are you in the city? 42nd okay. and 5th. I know the best pizza place because that's my go-to food, clearly, because I'm Israeli and I love New York City. Well, then, uh, count on that. We'll be in New York, I'm sure, sometime this spring. And and we'll look for it. Maybe we'll do a live podcast from the offices of Coverage. Let's do it. We'll get all the Ben Hudas on. <laughs> how many? How many in the office now? Three or four? There are three. Um, the fourth one uh, will hopefully by then get accepted to med school. So, <laughs> yeah. Really? Med school over coverager? I don't know about that. You know, you can't put all the eggs in one basket. No. Okay. Everybody needs a doctor in the family. Indeed. Okay. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Lee, you know what? What, bro? Customer engagement <laughs> does not exist in insurance. What do you think of that? Yeah, she has a very strong opinion on that. And um, I don't know if I disagree with her. I, I think I kind of go along with her on that. No, I think she made a great case. She made a great case. But what's interesting, for about 50 episodes, we've heard uh, a, a whole different world. <laughs> right. We're going to engage our customers. Yeah, that's what we We engage doing. our customers. Exactly. That's right. That's the problem we're solving. We need mm-hmm. to engage with them. They want to be engaged with. We talk to people who that's all they do is engage. And she says, no. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh-huh. Very smart. Yeah. I mean, I wrote that note to uh-huh. you in the middle of it that said she is a very smart person. And uh, then I finished it off with uh, quite a bit smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great to be able to talk to somebody who has delved in so deep into this industry. And frankly, I think coverage, coverager is a breath of fresh air in our world yeah. where we all typically are very careful about what we say and very uh, measured about any kind of feedback that we may give. Right. And I think that they have found a effective way to cut through that. And to say say it the way they see it, as journalists with an opinion, I, if you will, opinion yeah. columnists. You know, I've I've been a 
a subscriber to the, the newsletter, I would say maybe since Insured Tech of last year, for a long time it's come to my inbox. And it is a, it's a different newsletter. It's not a, a traditional newsletter. It's written in a way that um, it's just, it, it just unique. And I've always enjoyed it. But like I said on the podcast, uh, the quote that they started, it was a hyperlink to a comment on the insurance company's LinkedIn page. Uh, right there, it sets the tone for it, that we're going to give you the information that we found. Good, bad, or ugly, you're going to see it. And that's a, that's a, a breath of fresh air. Well, we're, we're just uh, so grateful to Sheffy for giving us some time today and telling us all about Coverager and sharing a lot of great thoughts that I, I hope that our audience listens to and has a chance to digest. And we'd love to hear back from you about uh, your thoughts on this episode, uh, the opinions that were expressed, and uh, and the ideas that came forward. And you can do that by reaching us at fnoinsuretech.com. On the contact tab, you can send us an email and hit us up. Thanks, Chevy Benuda, for being with us today. And we'll look forward to having you on again. And as always, we thank you for being with us. And you can support us by subscribing to our crazy little podcast. And because it's the end of the podcast, we say goodbye, everyone. <laughs>